Lord, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Lord, you're seated on your heavenly throne, but you're so close to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's so good. You may be seated. Thank you so much. What an awesome worship team. Why don't you give them a round of applause? Amazing, amazing, amazing. I was asking Teresa about this guy. Your name's Michael, right? I was like, is he married? Not for me. Not for me, Michael. Because, you know, you're too young for me. But what's wrong with the women in this church? What? What? Hang on. What? You're about 30? Single? Intelligent? Anointed? Creative? Where's the 30-year-old women? I'm going to do some matchmaking here. Like, are you all right if the women ask you out after the service? All right, girls. All right? Take a ticket. Get in the queue. See, he's a good catch. In Jesus' name, you're going to have a hot wife, I'm telling you. I just helped you out. That's right. You're ready. He's ready. He's ready. Who else is ready? Just join the dots. It's not that hard. You can go now. All right. He's a bit scared. No, it's good, isn't it? You can line up after the service, just ask him on a date. Go the bold girls. Don't wait for him. He'll probably never ask. (laughs) No, it's good, isn't it? Uh, So good to be here. I'm a bit naughty, as you can already tell. Um, It's such a pleasure to be here. I wanted just to thank uh, Pastor John and Danielle wherever you are, thanks for inviting me. Teresa, Pastor Teresa, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, Wow, we had such a great night last night. You know you only need one girlfriend and dinner to solve the world's problems? That's that's all you need, right? We did that last night, didn't we? It was so good, but we had a great time uh, yesterday. Just um, helping people, you know, share their faith with others and it's such a passion of mine to make it easy because I just think it's super easy to, to tell people how good Jesus is. Uh, how good is Jesus Christ, you know? We were singing songs about, you know, the resurrected Christ. This is the good news is that I have come to tell you good news, actually, not bad news. The good news is that Jesus is alive. You know, we serve a living God. God is alive. The difference between Christianity and any other religion is that we worship a God that was resurrected from the dead. I mean, that's something to praise him about. You know, God himself raised Jesus from the dead so that anyone and everyone who believes in him and believes that he is their saviour can be saved and be given this free gift of eternal life. Yes, I'm coming out loud and proud and strong with the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning because it's that that saves people. The gospel, the good news is that it's nothing that we've done, nothing. We haven't earned it. You can't earn God's love. You can't, you know, nothing you do is going to make him love you even more than he loves you right now. He loves you with a dying love. He died for you. He laid down his life. Do you know nobody killed Jesus? He chose to lay down his life for you. He knew from the beginning of time, like when we sinned, because mankind, you know, we sin. We do all the time. We make mistakes. Uh, Jesus made the choice. He said, I will pay 
for their sin. I will go to the cross. I will live a holy life. I will do, I will follow my Father's will perfectly. And then I'll go to the cross and one man will pay for the sins of the whole entire earth. Isn't that incredible? And after three days, it was prophesied that Jesus would be raised from the dead to prove that he himself was the living God. In Jesus' name, give him praise. Amen. How good is this? How good is this that the news gets even better? Jesus says, it's better for me to go now and I'll send you the Holy Spirit so that we have God on earth with us every single day. We can be communing with God. We can be speaking with God and God can speak to us. Isn't that incredible? Give him some more praise. Come on. It's so good. You know, I'm here to encourage you because I believe that this morning people are going to have a turnaround. Uh, you know, you know, you can turn around on a coin. You can literally be facing that way and you can turn around on a coin. The phrase comes from, you know, turning in a very small space. You literally can turn on your heel, be facing, you can be facing darkness. You can be facing discouragement. You can be facing fear. You can be facing pain. And, you know, you can be facing all kind of sickness, disease. You can be facing disappointment. You can be, you can be facing, you know, the dark and then you can turn around this morning and face faith, face light, face the truth, face Jesus. And when you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfect of your faith, that is when you're going to see a breakthrough. I believe there's breakthrough for people here this morning, breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I see people getting healed today. I see people coming to faith today, opening up their hearts, surrendering their hearts and having a relationship with the living God who can turn your life around. Yes, come on, give him some more praise. So good. Woo! I love encouraging people. You know, it's, um, how's the power of encouragement? You know, the word encourage means to put courage in. And, uh, I saw the power of encouragement at play. Pardon the pun. No, no, it was intended actually. At, in the Australian Open tennis match last year, 2017, I was watching the semi-final between Federer and Warinka. And Federer was going down. He was losing four sets down. And I saw the power of encouragement in like, oh my goodness, it was amazing. And God spoke to me through the Australian Open. You know, God can speak to you through anything, right? So I'm watching that and I saw Federer go off court and take some injury time. He goes off court and uh, literally could see he was he was feeling discouraged. He was losing. Warinka had the upper hand and he goes off court. He takes injury time. I don't know what they did to him in there, but they injected him with something, you know, and he came back on court, you know, some some steroid or something, right? I believe that the Holy Ghost wants to inject some people with the with the with some Holy Ghost steroid from heaven today, right? He gets this injection, he comes back on the court. This is where I see the power of encouragement. He comes back onto the court, he walks on, and the whole stadium around him, this this huge stadium around him full of people let out this massive cheer. Just this massive cheer to with it was it was loaded with love. It was loaded with we believe in you, Federer. It was loaded with you can turn this around. It was loaded with this just this this cheer of 
we believe you, you're a champion, we love you. And you could literally see the face of Federer shift and turn around as he let, he allowed encouragement from the people to lift him above his circumstance. He, lit, he went on to win that match. Not only did he go on to win that match, he won the whole tournament that year, last year, right? That's the power of encouragement. I believe that prophetically God is speaking to us as a church and saying you've got to get out of injury time and get back on centre court and face the opposition because we can no longer sit with our injuries, sit with our sicknesses. We can no longer, we are not applying the Holy Spirit's power into our lives because if we were, we would be having victory after victory after victory after victory in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Because it's not by might, not by power, it's by His Spirit. It's nothing that we do, it's His power that we need. And in our weakness, His strength is made perfect. And, uh, you know, I mean... I wasn't always such an encourager. I had actually a quite a rough start to my life. Um, at just the age of uh, eight years old, um, I took up diving and, uh, you know, high diving, not deep sea diving. I grew up in a house where mum and dad were both alcoholics. Who knows, that's not much fun. I learned to make gin and tonics and rum and cokes at the age of five, I think. But, you know, I, I just, I grew up in this in this uh, household of domestic violence. But it actually wasn't my dad that beat my mum up, it was my mum that beat my dad up. And my dad didn't ever wanted to come home. And you know, all I knew in my house was there was just always screaming and fighting and abuse. And uh, me and my sister, I've got a sister who's one year older, we just used to find hiding places. And uh, one of those hiding places was under the stairs, but the, my favourite hiding place was in the swimming pool because I used to get underwater and, you know, it was completely silent and peaceful under the water, you know, so you can't hear anything. It's just so... I used to go to the pool and dream. I used to go to the pool that was my refuge. And uh, I used to see how many, you know, laps under the pool I could hold my breath for. And, you know, I taught myself how to do little somersaults off the side of the pool. My dad saw me one day somersaulting off the side of the pool. He's like, run uh, into the house and made a phone call. And he rang the best diving coach in Australia and, and hooked me up with diving lessons. Well, I went along to diving lessons and I thought, this is awesome. Now I had leverage. I had, you know, I had one meter and three meters and just, just at the age of eight years old, I started diving and fell in love, just absolutely fell in love with this sport. It was like I was born for it. And uh, I started diving seven days a week, seven days a week. That's commitment, right? Seven days a week, twice a day on weekends. We do springboard in the morning. Yeah, hundred percent because this dream got in my heart that I was going to go to the Olympics and represent Australia one day and get a medal for Australia and that dream caught my heart and so I was 100% committed. You could say I put all my eggs in one basket. So, you know, things were going well. I was like, I would win every competition. I would go in, I was just completely in love. The, f the thing about diving is it's a lot like faith. It's like you've got to see it before you do it. You've got to see the dive in your mind's eye and then your body follows. That's actually part of our training technique. You know, and, you know, little did I know that God was even training me back then when I had no idea that there even was a God. But he was training me to visualize, 
training me to see what I couldn't see yet. But that's exactly what you do. But there's, there was um, what happened at just age 11. I got to represent Australia in the World Diving Championships in Texas, Houston, Texas, and then on to Canada. It was such a privilege to carry the Aussie flag. And I got to carry the flag because I was the shortest, not because the best. You know, I'll never forget <laughs> 1977. You can do the maths, right? The Australian tracksuit. All the other countries had, you know, nice footwear, posh footwear. What did we have? Thongs. So, Australian team out the front with thongs, you know, we love it. I've got a photo of me on the front page of the newspaper carrying the Australian flag. It's a great photo, and, um, but it's faded. I can't bring it up because, excuse me. So anyway, it was such a privilege to, to um, be at that event at the World Championships. I came seventh in the world. I did pretty good because I was diving up against... Uh, people that were a lot older than me. And I came back and I was just, you know, on this trajectory of being, you know, fulfilling that dream. This dream consumed me. And um, just what happened on my 14th birthday, though, that would change my life. I took one dive off the 10-metre tower that, that uh, was disastrous. So I climbed up the tower that day, but the difference between that day and any other day was that I climbed up that tower and my heart was wounded with disappointment because my dad just didn't show up for that competition. It was such an important competition and my dad was like my second coach. And he just didn't show. I thought to myself, things at home are getting rough for him to not show up to such an important competition. And so, you know, I, I remember just thinking, wow, stuff at home, my parents' uh, marriage, it's really, it's, stuff's going to happen. I just, I knew that divorce was imminent. And um, I remember just climbing up there really alone that day and for the first time I didn't feel invincible. And I got on the edge of the tower and, and you know, I, I had to dive. I knew I heard my name and I had to go. But instead of taking off uh, in the position that I normally take off, I'm taking off wounded. And, you know, it's interesting that when you lose your vision, you lose everything. And I, lo I couldn't see the dive before I went, so I dived off the 10-metre tower. Instead of bringing the dive straight through the water like a pencil, I overextended my spine on entry and you know, just went shoom, under hardly any water at all, went right over with my back. My spine, my neck, my hips, just it was a massive traumatic impact on my spine. I was unconscious in the water. Have, you've got three judges on each side. They all had to dive in and reef me out of the water and they bring me up out of the pool. I'm still unconscious. And when I opened my eyes, I'm like, had a different vision than I'd ever had before. And it was me, all I could see was me stuck in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. I had seen a program on TV where a young girl had come off a horse and she was saying, I can't feel my legs. And then the next scene was her in a wheelchair. And all I could think of was that girl because I couldn't feel my legs. I'm like, I can't feel my legs. Oh no, I'm gonna be crippled. And uh, the good news is, church, I wasn't put in a wheelchair, thank goodness, but I'm telling you this, my spine was twisted. My hip, my right hip was twisted around. Uh, this leg was now shorter than this leg because my hip was twisted around, my neck, was twisted, I was just in chronic pain. And I, you know, this 
this one dive, how, how just one thing can take you out of your dream, how just one thing can turn you from hope to despair, you know, how it can just have you shifted looking in the wrong direction and from that, particular, from that accident I had to give up my beloved sport. That's the thing that crushed me. I'm like, if I can't dive, I'd lost my identity in it, I'd lost everything in it. If I can't dive, I don't even want to live. I was so in love with this sport, it was like losing a relationship. And uh, I just didn't know where to turn, I didn't know what to do. I had no Christians in my life. My parents were going through this crazy split up. I had nobody to tell me that there was another way. I had no one to tell me that there was hope in Jesus Christ. I had nobody to tell me anything. I just found the, the wrong path and I found a whole lot of other broken, crazy teenagers at my age. I was now, you know, 14. 15 and I got expelled from school because I was just so angry. I felt ripped off. I felt just anger towards the whole world, confused. I had lost my vision. And so I got yeah, expelled from the best school in Sydney. Sorry, Dad. Um, and I went to this new school and I found this group of teenagers who introduced me to drugs. And uh, I know this is hard for you to believe because I look like a complete angel. But I started taking drugs and I, because I'm such a passionate person, I, got, I, was, I thought, well, I can't be a champion diver, I may as well be a champion drug taker. So, you know, I throw myself into everything. And so I did, I just was passionate about numbing myself. And really what I was doing was just numbing the pain. I was numbing the pain in my heart. I was, I was trying to forget about my dream. I was trying to get on with life the best I could, but I got super addicted because that's what happens with sin. It looks really attractive and then, it, and then it gets hold of you and it starts to entangle you. And now the drugs had hold of my life. And I'm telling you this for 15 years, I was completely addicted, smoking marijuana every single day and much harder drugs because I'm a bit of an entrepreneur. I started selling drugs, um, you know, I was, just, I was just fully into it. I had turned from a champion diver with a strong vision to represent Australia, I had turned the other way and I'm going down this track, but not just that, taking a whole lot of other people with me, because I'm a sharer. Follow me, follow me down this dark road. And um, it wasn't until one girl, do you know it only takes one person to see your pain and to start praying for you. And this one girl at the school, she was a Christian and I didn't know she was a Christian because she was a bit of a backslidden Christian because she used to smoke pot with me when she wasn't in church. So she never told me about Jesus because she thought she'd be a bit of a hypocrite if she told me. So she kept it to herself. She had Jesus tucked in the boot of the car. She let him out on Sundays and then tucked him back in. So she never told me, but, but she did start praying for me and she said this to me. She, she was actually a really talented singer and she went to New York City to, to pursue her dream of singing. And she said this to me, this is when I'm like 29 years old now, right? 15 years of drug taking. This one girl, she saw my pain. We were friends after school and um, we just continued to hang out. And she said, I'm going to New York and... 
I've got, I've got to tell you this before I go. She said, I've got a ticket to the best party in the universe because she's speaking my language because I'm a party girl, party girl. She's like, I've got a ticket to the best party, the best one. I'm like, oh, I want one of them. Where do I get one? She's like, I just, just, you should get one. And then she got on a plane and she left. But she said this to me too. She said, before I go, I want you to wake up every morning and say, I believe I believe, I believe. Just say it every morning. I believe, I believe, I believe. So, okay. So I woke up every morning. I believe, I believe, I believe. And then I'd get really stoned and go for a jog on the beach. And I'd be like, what do I believe in? I've got no idea what I believe in. I'll just say, but I was very obedient. I just kept saying it day after day for a whole year. I'd say, I believe, I believe, I believe. I started believing in that trees were either the answer. I was hugging and kissing them and doing all sorts of weird things and looking into new age and all this sort of stuff. But I was on a journey, on a search, on a journey to find the truth. I kind of thought there must be a truth. There has to be a truth. If there is a God, I don't know where he is or who he is, but I'm, I'm in pursuit of truth now. And uh, it was so funny, uh, you know, I just, I would just say it, you know, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then this one thing happened to me. I was in this, I was in this pub one night and I remember just my eyes were opened and I was, for a minute, I thought, I'm in the wrong story. I'm in, I'm, this is not where I should be. This, at this time in my life, I'm on the wrong path. I'm in the wrong story. Somehow my eyes were supernaturally open. I found out later that the church in New York City was praying for me at that very time because she had, she'd gone to a church, a C3 church on Long Island in New York City. And she had told them that her friend Nicola Gibb was so lost and so drug addicted and she needed Jesus so much. They started praying for me in their prayer meeting every single week for three months before I came to know Christ. And so I just had this urge, I don't know where it came from, to find my friend, to hunt her down and find out how I get my ticket. So I bought a one-way ticket to New York City to hunt her down to find out how I get my ticket to the greatest party in the universe. So I arrive, don't even put my bags down, she takes me to this um, basketball court where all these people are on stage singing the name of Jesus. Well, I'd never heard his name in that context before, being worshipped being worshipped. And I thought, what are all these people doing? You know, you might be here today thinking, what are all these people singing about Jesus for? You know, and it, but it caught my heart. And my heart started to unravel like a ball of wool, you see, just like you can't get it back. And my heart was out of my chest. I started crying. The pastor came and introduced himself. His name was Pastor Mark Kelsey. <laughs> he goes, hey, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Northern Beaches. He goes, me too. I went, no way. Like I came all the way to New York to, to meet Mark Kelsey from the Northern Beaches. You know, God's after, he's a pursuer. He knows, right? So then, then Mark invites me to church and I come down. They sit me in the front row because the church had been praying for me for three months. Three months. They sit me in there. They all knew who I was. Me in my little short skirt thinking I was blending in. I don't think so. I thought I'll just creep in. Nobody will know I'm not a Christian. I think they did. And, uh, I was in the front row and, um, I heard the good news. For the very first time in my life, 29 years old, and I just I couldn't believe my ears. Could not believe that I didn't have to do anything to earn eternal life. All I had to do was believe. What? I'd done my homework. I believe. I believe. I believe. I'd done. 
I was marinated. So simple, so profound, so powerful, the words of your mouth. I, I, so as the, as the minister said, all you need to do is believe, even though it is a struggle to surrender your life to Christ because you don't know what's on the other side. Also, I, I kind of figured now here comes the faith thing is that I have to believe before I see. It's a bit like diving. You have to, you have to see in your mind's eye before it comes true. So I just, that day, I just, you know, it was really hard for me to surrender. I remember this struggle because, you know, it's a spiritual battle because the enemy wants to keep you stuck. He wants to keep you in darkness. He wants to keep you in addiction. He wants to keep you down. He wants you under his feet. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then the devil gets under your feet and you start walking in victory. You start, you can break off any addiction. And so that day, you know what? The power is in the surrender. And as I surrendered that day, I remember struggling, struggling, but that pastor, he would not go away. He kept saying, if you're here today, just raise your hand and receive Jesus Christ. And I was struggling. I was like, this is what was going through my head. If I put my hand up, everyone will know I'm not a Christian, you know, like the short skirt didn't give it away or anything. I was like, okay, so so I go like this. Seriously, I just made a little move, just a little move. I just went like that. He said, thank you. I saw that hand. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm over the falls. I've gone over the falls now. And uh, I was the only one that day. I was the only one that day that, that decided to sort of raise a hand. And, uh, and anyway, it was the best decision I ever made, just that small move, that tiny move, the tiniest move towards God because someone picked it up and, you know, and then I prayed this prayer of salvation and, and it was so simple. It was just inviting Jesus to come into my life. It was just a simple prayer. Yes, I surrender. Yes, I need a saviour because I have do have sin that needs to be cleared up. I mean, this is what really got to me is that the pastor said, if you're here today, God can give you a clean slate. 100% forgiven, cleaned, 100% no sin, remembered by God, but 100% removed by Jesus' blood and his sacrifice, by his sacrifice, by his blood, by Jesus going to the cross, that's how we're saved, by grace, through faith. And this, not from ourselves, it's a gift of God. So no one can boast about it, right? It's the power of God, the power of the... So I raised my hand, I received salvation that day. I simply said a, a simple prayer that invited Jesus in and wow, my eyes were opened. I literally felt God, saw God, and I had now a new picture. Do you know what the first thing I saw when I was born again because Jesus says you cannot see the kingdom of God. In John 3, 3, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. It's a spiritual transaction. You come out of darkness into light, out of darkness into light. It's a spiritual birthing, right? That's what was happening to me. And the first thing I saw was Mark Kelsey preaching, and I knew that's me. 
I'm going to be a preacher. So isn't it interesting that I saw that, you know, I was born for a platform, not a 10-meter platform, but a platform, right? And I wasn't, I wasn't destined to represent Australia at the Olympics. It's way better than that. You know, I don't get to represent a country like Australia, but I get to represent the kingdom of God, a kingdom, not a country, a kingdom. What a privilege. And do you know if you're a Christian here today, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador. You are, you you know, that's who you represent. And I thought, wow, that's way bigger than my first little dream, right? I thought Australia would have been awesome, but a kingdom. We're talking about a spiritual kingdom. We're filling heaven and emptying hell every single day when we share our faith. And, you know, I'm here to tell you what happened was that my the lights were switched on. I started, I saw the destiny that God had for me all along, even before I was born. And do you know what? I'm convinced of this, but you cannot see your purpose unless you're born again, unless you're connected with the, with the dream giver, with the one who created you, with the one who knows you more than you know you yourself. You can't see what you were born for until that. And so my eyes were opened. The next part of the good news is that um, I was staying with some friends and I picked up this little book. Oh, do you know, I have to tell you this, that when I actually surrendered my life to Christ, every addiction just fell off my life. Boom, gone. I never wanted another drug. I never had to even try to get free. It was chain breaking power that came into my life and broke the chains that had surrounded me you know and um it was it was so good that like I was so free and so full of joy. I was like, oh, giving, you know, food to homeless people in New York City and they were like growling at me and all this. I didn't care. I was so full of joy. I was like, oh, I just want to give everything away. You know, I want to tell everybody about Jesus. And I picked up this little book on healing, a tiny little book. I wish I had written the author's name down because, gosh, wouldn't I love to thank her for writing that little book. There's people in this congregation you need to write the book. You need to write the book, your revelation, write it down. I picked up this little book on healing, so simple. There was a picture of a woman sitting in a chair with her two legs out the front and one leg was shorter than the other leg. Well, instantly I just was like, that's me, that's me, that's me. My leg's shorter. And and, and it said these very simple words, if you pray in the name of Jesus, you will be healed. I'm like, well, that's me. I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm going to get healed. I've been in pain, don't forget, for 15 years now. I run with this book, run to the pastors. I go, it's in the book. It's in the book. You've got to pray for me. You, and I'm like, I'm giving them strict instructions. Don't forget to say the name of Jesus. That's the important part of the prayer. Pastors, make sure at all costs you say that. It says it in the book. It says I just had childlike faith. I knew nothing about God. I was just reading the book and believing it because I'd done my homework again. I believe, I believe, I believe. I just believe the Word of God. Do you believe the Word of God? So anyway, I sat. I said, now I'm going to sit in the chair like the lady in the book, put my legs out. I said, now do it to me. Do, do, do. Do it to me. Do it to me. What she do? I'm going to get healed. And so they prayed in the, from the top of Nicola's head to the bottom of her feet. They're very obedient. They said, in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, this power, I'm telling you, this power, like when you run your hand underwater and there's that tension, 
this power came into the room. The two pastors that were praying for me fell on the ground laughing with joy. I'm like, that's not in the book. That's not in the book. What are you doing? Get up. You're supposed to be praying for me. They just had, they got so touched by the power of God. It was like they were drunk on the floor. I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy. Just the presence was so thick in the room. And then for the next two, two and a half hours, Jesus was my chiropractor. He stood behind me. I could feel his presence so strong. He completely reconstructed my spine, my neck, my hips. I felt my own, all my bones moving on the inside of me. I'm like, oh boy, God, you're powerful. God, he was moving my bones. Every vertebrae in my spine, I could feel the thumbs of Jesus pushing them back straight, pushing them up my spine like this. My whole neck got loosed. It was like wave after wave of anesthetic and joy would come and then we'd have a massive like chiropractic move and I was just going with the flow because I didn't want to jump out of the miracle. I wanted, I'm like upsize me, I'll take it all. You know, I'm taking it, I'm not jumping out. I had to actually just stay in faith just to not get my mind in the way. I had to get my mind out of the way and just engage my heart and receive everything that God had for me that day. And I'm standing here today 100% straight, walking, talking miracle. Let's praise him. He's a healer. He's a healer. It's pretty awesome, right? He can move bones. But you know what's even more, more awesome than that? He can raise the dead. He, he, you know, it is incredible, my physical miracle, but I'm telling you the, the messed up state of my life and the messed up state of my heart, my emotions, my everything over it. I've been following God now for 23 years and I can tell you that some of the greatest healing miracles I've had have been in my heart of hearts. They've been in, you know, I'm a survivor of domestic violence myself. I married a man who was abusive, you know, and, and God rescued me from that as well. You know, there was a part of me that wasn't healed and then God has to heal. You know, we're all on a journey and we've all got parts of us that need healing. There's layers and layers and layers. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to get to every layer, every single layer, you know, but the first layer he wants to get to is your heart. He just, you need to let God into your heart. And, uh, you know, as you do that, he is so faithful. He will... You know, he, he is the potter and we are the clay. And he, he wants to make you into this beautiful pot so that he can put you on display. He can start to use you to bring encouragement to other people. And, um, you know, I just, I feel like I really want to pray for people here. I want to pray, I want to pray for people first of all. I feel like, you know, there's an anointing here right now for spines, backs, necks, hips. If that's you, if you're here, you know, and you're, you're like, do you know what? I'm in pain. I'm in pain with my back. I'm in pain with my neck, my hips. I'm particularly talking about back, neck, and hips. If that's you, just raise your hand right now, wherever you are. Raise it, raise it up, raise it up. Wow, there's so many. There's so many. Right now, I'm believing God for you. If you're sitting next to somebody with their hand raised, I want you to put your hand on them. We're going to pray. Come on, get around them, everybody. You know, the work of the ministry is supposed to be done by you right? Just get around them, put hands on them. I'm believing, God, that as you moved my bones, as you brought healing, 
into my life. You can do that for these people right here who are in pain. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus right now, that you would adjust spines, that you would adjust necks, that you would adjust hips. Right now you're going to feel heat, heat coming into your spine, heat into your neck. Just receive, just believe. Go, go to childlike faith. Say, thank you, Jesus. Everybody who's being prayed for, say out loud, thank you, Jesus. I receive your healing power. Adjust me. Ooh, Holy Spirit, come. You're going to start to feel heat. Start to move. If you've got a stiff neck, start to move your neck to the side, to the side slowly. Start to move. Start to move something that was painful before. Start to move it. Start to move. If you feel like standing, you can stand just to loosen yourself. But Holy Spirit's here ministering to you right now. Right now, miracles, God. You're the God of miracles. You're the God that makes a way. You're the God of miracles. Holy Spirit. So beautiful. Oh, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Healing. <laughs> Here comes some joy. <laughs> oh, God, inject us with that heavenly steroid, Lord, that heavenly power called the Holy Spirit. Inject us right now. I see injections going into people's spines, necks, hips. Loosen. Loosen what's tight, Lord. Loosen it in the name of Jesus. So good. Holy Spirit. Just receive it. Just receive it. Like a child. That's awesome. Anyone feel better? Put your hand up if you feel better. That's so good. That's so good. So good. That's awesome. Start just keep stay in the moment if God's working on you and just stay moving, 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 loosening up. You know, like I said before, there's this. I want to send out an invitation today because if you only knew, if you only knew how much God loves you, you'd ask him for a drink for eternal life. You know, there's a woman, there's a story of the woman at the well in John 4 and she looked everywhere she could for love. She had five husbands and the guy she was with was not her husband and Jesus knew that about her. And what she really needed was to meet man number seven, the man from heaven. That's who she needed. She needed Jesus. She, Jesus is the game changer. Jesus is when you invite Jesus, it's literally turning from darkness, turning to light, turning on a coin. Just like that, it's a decision from you. God gave us a free will. He never busts down your door. He simply sends out an invitation and says, anyone and everyone who believes in my son, they're the ones you will be saved. And so right now, you know, I'm going to, I have this like urgency right now to invite people to start that relationship. Just to start, just to open the door 
to for God to walk into your life because honestly, like myself, I had no hope, no vision. I was in pain and then a, a, an, an invitation was sent out and I received Jesus and my whole life turned around. And I believe that your whole life can turn around with a simple surrender here today. And, you know, don't, don't walk out of here the same as you walked in. I mean, if you don't have a relationship with God, I implore you, I almost beg you to say yes to God today because I know on the other side of your yes is the breakthrough. I know on the other side of your yes is a miracle. I know on the other side of your yes is eternal life. I mean, this is incredible. That's why all these Christians are so happy is because they have their ticket to the best party in the universe. But there's some of you here today and you don't, you don't know God. You haven't, you haven't said an intentional prayer like I did 23 years ago that says yes to Jesus. You let him come into your heart of hearts. And like I said, he is so uh, so wanting to get into your heart. That's the layer he's trying to bust through. And so all across this room, I'm going to send out an invitation. I'm going to pray for people this morning that don't know God, They need, or you need to come back to God, or you're just not sure about your salvation. There's those three people I'm going to ask you to do a simple act of faith while every single head in this place is bowed and every eye closed, just to give you the privacy that you need. This is your moment to invite God to come into your world, into your heart, into your life and show you what you were born for. This is your moment. What does it require? Just believe. The work of God is to believe. That is about as hard as it gets. You just need to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer that's so simple. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to pull you out of your seat down the front. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand as a signal to me to include you in the prayer and to also, though, it's God who wants to count you today. You know, when you surrender and you say yes to God, he writes your name in the book of life. You will receive eternal life. It's such good news. No longer will the darkness have hold on you, but you will be born again into the kingdom of light. You will be born again, saved by grace through faith in Jesus' name. So right across this room, wherever you are right now, do not, do not hesitate to say yes right now. Just If that's you, you've never, you've never said an intentional prayer. You've, said, you've never said, Jesus, come into my life. I'm asking you to raise your hand now. Raise it up. Who is there? Raise it up. Who, are, who is there today? You, just, you need to receive. Thank you, sweetie. I see that. So courageous. Good on you. Who else is there? I know there's others here. You've never said an intentional prayer to come to Jesus. Who, just raise it up. Don't be embarrassed. Don't even thank you. Thank you. Courageous. It takes courage, I know, right? It takes courage, but don't miss out. Don't miss out because of your own pride. Don't miss out because you're scared. Don't be, thank you, thank you. Don't, don't, don't miss out. Don't miss out on the greatest invitation, the greatest part of the universe just because you're a bit worried. Just raise it up. I know there's more. Raise it up. You've never said that before. Raise it up. I'm waiting for you. God's waiting for you. He designed this service right for you. You know, if you, if you, if you, if you used to follow God and you need to come back, 
You need to make a comeback. You're not living right with God. You used to follow God, but you're not following. You, you know, you know he's in your life, but you, you, there's stuff in the way. You need to make a comeback. You need to come back. You, it's, you've slidden away from God, but you're coming back today. Raise your hand now. Raise it up. Raise it up. I'm going to pray for you. Raise it up. You're coming back. Coming back to God today. Raise it up nice and high so I can see. Raise. Thank you. Who else is there? Just raise your hand. There's people raising their hands all over the place. Who else is there? Raise it up. You're coming back. Do you know what? If you're just not sure, you're not 100% sure of your salvation, raise up your hand too. Raise it up. I'm going to include you in that prayer. So you don't know Jesus, you're coming back, or you're just not sure. Thank you, sweetie. I see that hand. Who else is there? Just raise it up. Get sure. Don't leave this place not knowing. Make sure that you know God in this place today, that you get that assurance. Who else is there? There's others here. Raise it up. I'm waiting for you. Holy Spirit. If you only knew how much God loves you. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Raise it up. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Holy, this is the most important part of the service where people are getting right with God. You're getting right with God. Who else? You need to get right with God. Just raise your hand. Raise it up. I'm going to wait 30 more seconds and then we're going to pray a prayer of salvation. Who else is there? Raise it up. Just say, yep, I'm going to let you in, God. Yep. Thank you. Yep. I'm going to let you in, God. Yep. I'm saying yes to God. Yes. 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 I just feel like there's one more person I'm waiting, waiting. You've got this stubborn, like, battle on the inside of you. I see that hand there. The stubborn battle. Just surrender. (laughs) See what happens. Ten more seconds. Ready? Who else is there? Just surrender. Boom. Raise it up high so I can see. All those people that have raised their hands, it's so awesome. Good on you. Thank you. I was waiting for you. I need to meet you. I felt it was you. So good. Will you meet me after the service? Cool. So good. All right, we're going to pray. Everybody together. This is your moment with God, okay? It's holy. This is you and God. Say these words after me. Everybody, follow me in this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I surrender. I let you in. Forgive me for all my mistakes and help me follow you. Help me follow your way, not my way. The old is gone. The new has come. I am born again. Give me fresh vision. Wipe all my sin away. Thank you, Jesus, you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, you are my saviour. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with me from this day. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah, why don't we give a massive cheer of encouragement? Why don't we praise Jesus? His saving grace. So good. I'm going to pass back to Pastor Josh, and he's going to tell you what to do next. Awesome. Hey, let's thank Nicola right now.